And we're going to be in Romans chapter 4 today. Romans chapter 4. As we consider who Paul is writing to. Um, anyone have any idea? Yeah, Romans. Um, yeah, he's writing to people that live in Rome. And, uh, and this is the Roman church that he's writing to. But there are also Jews that are in that Roman church that are believers. Uh, but <laughs> Jews had a problem um, separating their faith, Judaism, from Christianity. They still had, they were still carrying a lot of the baggage of the law with them. And they wanted to follow laws and, and trust in the law. They even believed they may have an edge in their relationship with God because they were the chosen people and they had circumcision that was given by God as uh, their right. It's their sign of uh, their relationship. We, as Christians, um, we have baptism that we uh, have as our outward expression of the inward change within us. And so uh, sometimes people will ask, well, have you been baptized? You know, and, and where? You know, was it chlorinated water or was it, um, was it, doesn't matter. You know, because baptism isn't about where or what the water was like. I've been baptized in the Jordan. I've been baptized in a swimming pool. Okay, and uh, and I've been baptized multiple times only because um, I had the opportunity to, and so I did. You know, and uh, but. You only need to be baptized once. It's an outward expression of, of what we believe inward. And then everybody can see uh, that's there. They'll see, oh, you've been baptized. Well, circumcision was the Jews' way of showing that they were Jewish. It was their tradition, the, the thing that God gave them as a sign for uh, what they believed. And so we're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to go through the whole chapter today. So I have a question. Uh, how many of you sinned this week? Yeah, okay, everyone, okay. And, and uh, yeah, I've got good news. God doesn't remember. You may remember. Your spouse may remember. Someone else may remember. But God does not remember. When we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, when we invite Jesus to be the Savior of our lives, all of our sins are forgiven. And that's something that we have a hard time understanding and, and realizing because we don't act like that. When someone wrongs us, oh, we may use the words, I forgive you, uh, but there's something that's always held on there. God doesn't do that. God completely washes that sin away. We aren't saved based 
on how much or how little we sin either. You know, if you feel like, well, I'm doing pretty good, um, well, that's not good enough. You have to be perfect. And no one is perfect. So that's a challenge that we experience as humans, uh, that we gauge ourselves on how we are compared to our neighbor, how we are compared to some other sinner. We, we watch the news and we listen to what they're saying and we say, liar. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, it's easy to point out, you know, people that are sinning, you know, and other people that are sinning. It's, doesn't sin look so much uglier on other people? even though we may be guilty of the same sin. You know, it just looks so much worse on other people. Today's message is titled, Grace Through Faith. I know some of you are wondering, where is he going with this? You know, are, are we going to have a repentance, uh, you know, service here today? No, that's every day. Uh, you do that on your own. Uh, at the beginning of the day, I, I recommend. And then at the end of the day, too. And then probably in the middle of the day. We continue our study through the book of Romans, chapter 4. We're going to pick up in verse 1. Where it says, when, uh, What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So the Jewish leaders, the teachers of Paul's days, they believed that Abraham was righteous because he followed the law, and he kept the law. That's what made him righteous. The law didn't come about for 600 years. So he couldn't have been following the law. So what was he following at that time? He was listening to God. And he believed what God told him. He had faith that what God told him was true. And that's what gave him his righteousness. In verse 3, we read what Genesis 15, 6 says. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He wasn't sin-free before God. It wasn't that Abraham was perfect before God. He, he had lied. You, one sin, you know, breaks all of the law. And once you're a sinner, well, the law hadn't been given yet. Transgressions were not determined based on the Ten Commandments. It was just knowing right and wrong. And he went down to Egypt, remember? And he had uh, some issues there with Abimelech, the king down there. And when the king asked, hey, who's the good-looking girl that's with you here? And, oh, that's my sister. Remember? 
they were old by this time, but Sarah held her age really well, and um, she was using this product line that you can find on Amazon. It's, you know, that's just part of God, you know, just, uh, you know, blessing her and Abraham with her beauty. And Abraham says, it's my sister. So what does Abimelech do? He says, okay, bring her on into the harem then. And he takes her and brings her in with his group of women. And, you know, if you're Abraham, the first thing you should say, hold on, hold on, don't take my wife. You know, but what was wrong? What was, he was afraid. He was afraid that they were going to see his wife and kill him so that they could take his wife. And so that's why he lied. We can justify lies, can't we? You know, we can, well, it wasn't a bad lie. I wasn't hurting anyone with this lie. You know, and we can make up excuses for why we do things. But there is no excuse for breaking God's law. But there wasn't a law at that time. The righteousness of Abraham was found in his faith in God. It's not obedience to the law. And for us today, it's the same. We live by that same rule today. Verse 4, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So that is confusing at times. Trying to work our way to God, following the law, doesn't help us, but in fact, it hurts us. We're thinking, hold on, we're doing something good. We're following the law. We're being obedient and isn't that a good thing? Isn't that what we should be doing? But if following the law is so that we can qualify ourselves for heaven, then we're missing out on what our relationship with Jesus is all about. It's about grace, not about the law. So this would almost start to sound like, hold on, we shouldn't have works in our lives. We shouldn't be obedient to the Ten Commandments. We shouldn't follow any laws. We could just willy-nilly do what we want, and everything's okay, everything's acceptable. Uh, that's not really what Paul is saying here. He's saying that if we try to get into heaven based on works, it's accounted as debt. To us, It's just adding up more debt in our heavenly account. We can't earn it. We can't make a way by working really hard, no matter what. It's like trying to buy a $5 million mansion on a McDonald's paycheck. You know, unless you're the CEO, you're going to have a hard time you know, doing that as a fry cook at McDonald's. You can't do it. And the same thing, we can't work enough in this life 
to pay the debt that's owed in heaven for our sin. We can sort of understand God justifying the godly, but those who keep the law of God aren't justified. That's basically what he's saying. We see that he justifies the ungodly because of faith, not because of obedience to the law. It's about faith. Verse 6. Just as David also describes the blessedness of man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, David wrote, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. So here... David writes about being blessed when you're not carrying the weight of sin. Now, David, the law was there already at this time, but David isn't talking about the law. It's when our transgressions, that's our lawless deeds, they are forgiven. God imputes righteousness from works by faith. And we aren't charged with the sins of our lawlessness. And, and so that's where we now get in this confusing point of, is it works or is it faith? And, and where do these two meet? Paul is using the righteousness of Abraham and David by faith, not their obedience to the law. He's saying, look at what these two guys did. They lived by faith, not by the law. But the rabbis, they argue that Abraham and David are examples of the circumcision. That means that Abraham and David were both living as circumcised believers in God. That's what qualifies them was their circumcision. Verse 9, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only? or upon the uncircumcised also. For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How, how then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. See, the Jews believe that Abraham was the father of the Jews only. He was the one that started the nation of Israel, okay? Jacob, his grandson, became Israel, and he was the beginning of the nation of Israel. So going back to Abraham, he was the father of the nation of Israel. And the only people can, that can call Abraham their father are Jews, and you had to be a natural-born Jew. You couldn't be a proselyte. You, you couldn't be a convert to Judaism. You had to be, if you were a convert to Judaism, then you would have to say, your father Abraham, speaking of the Jews, okay? Because they weren't allowed to claim Abraham as their father. But this is telling us that Abraham was considered righteous before he was circumcised. That's 
a confusing thing, especially for... Now, do you realize Jews don't read the book of Romans? Okay? The, the Jews don't think that the New Testament is God's word. It's only the Old Testament. Well, why? Well, because they didn't believe in Jesus as their Messiah. So why believe in the New Testament? You're going to cast out. I don't read any Muslim books to get a better idea of Islam. I have read certain scriptures. I've read a chapter here and there to get an understanding of where they get their understanding from. But I don't study it. I don't have to study sin to know the truth. I don't have to pay attention to what other people are doing wrong to understand how I need to do the right thing. And people can believe whatever they want. I don't have to understand why or what they believe to know that it's wrong. If it contradicts what the Word of God says, it's wrong. And so the Jews look at the New Testament like I look at the Book of Islam. I, I don't want to read it. Doesn't, doesn't mean anything to me. Okay, the, the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price. So I don't want to read them. They don't mean, I won't even read uh, the New World Translation of the Bible. Why? Because it's a Jehovah Witness translation of the Bible. They take out the, the meaning of the Trinity out of their Bible. So you won't see anything that refers to the Trinity. And now the word Trinity is not in any Bible, unless someone put it there. But it's inferred over and over again. But all you have to do is just take the word the God and use the word a God. And now you're, you've changed the complete meaning of who God is. And that's what the New World Translation does. So we have a different, a bunch of different translations out there, a bunch of different books out there. The Jews don't read the New Testament because to them it's not the word of God. But in the future, the Jews are going to realize the mistake they made and they're going to open up the New Testament and they're going to start reading. And when they get to Romans, they're going to be cut to the heart because Romans spells it all out. Paul wasn't just writing to those Jews that were in Rome. He was writing to the Jews that are alive today. The ones that are going to be going through the tribulation period. The ones that when they get to chapter 11 in, in the book of Romans, they're going to look and say, oh, there's hope. There's hope. We have hope. It's in here. Look. They're going to see the mistakes that they've made in the past and it's going to change their lives. But right now, they're looking at this as, it's, do you know they don't read the New Testament period and that's how come so many of them when they do say oh my goodness, this is written to us. Because there are a lot of Jews that are becoming believers in Jesus Christ. 
I don't say that they're becoming Christians because it has nothing to do with their religious system. It has to do with who their Savior is. And their Savior is Jesus Christ. He's the Savior of the whole world. And so they just need to hear that and receive that and many of them are actually doing that. It's, it's very amazing that it's happening at this time, but there are still many that won't even look at a New Testament. I was flying back from Israel next to a rabbi, across the aisle from a rabbi, two rabbis, and, and he was going on and on about these different things that he's doing and so on. Nice guy. And... Um, and everything was fine until I pulled my Bible out. And, uh, and it all went downhill from there. It was a much quieter flight. Uh, but, uh, it, you know, I wasn't trying to offend him. Uh, what I wanted to do was study the word. And he didn't have any care at all about knowing what I was studying. He didn't look over and say, hey, what you reading? You know? What, what, what are you, you know, are you studying for? Because he knew I was a pastor. You know, you're studying for your team. Didn't even want to discuss that. All of a sudden, he, he became comatose. Man, he was, he fell asleep like that. You know, so it was uh, pretty impressive. You know, I, I've heard that I put people to sleep sometimes, but um, that's, I'm sorry, that's not an excuse you can use here. Uh, so... Verse 11, excuse me, um, yeah, verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised. That righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith with our, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So he's telling the Jews, you're wrong about thinking that you're the only ones that are qualified in this relationship with God and it's through your circumcision that that's how you have obtained righteousness. He, he's saying Abraham was accounted righteous before he was circumcised. He didn't have circumcision yet. It was 14 years before he was circumcised that God called him righteous. And then he established the covenant of circumcision. And Paul now calls Abraham the father of those who believe the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He's the father of both. He's our father. If we, are, if we call ourselves Christians, he's our father, Abraham. And uh, that's something that we don't think about. We think about, oh, that's the Jews. But in reality, we're told right here, no, he's our father. He was the father of faith. He demonstrated faith to us. We, we don't have to go around calling him Father Abraham. You know, we, we, we don't have to make this a practice now, you know, that, all right, well, 
anytime I talk about Abraham, I'm, I'm going to call him Father Abraham. But um, it's just the fact that now we know that it was through faith that he obtained righteousness, and it's through faith that we obtain righteousness the same way. The doctrine wasn't easy for the Jews uh, to accept. For the promise, verse 13, that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. And righteousness was not passed down through the law. Righteousness is passed down through faith. He's making it very easy. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had a relationship with God before the law. And it was a personal relationship, you know that God spoke to them and uh, they were just perfect in every way, right? No. They made mistakes too. Isaac did the same thing that Abraham did. Oh, that's my sister. Except she wasn't a sister. You know, at least Abraham could have got away with that, you know, because Sarah was part of the family and, and he could have got away with that. But with Isaac, no, he, she wasn't his actual sister. And Jacob Man, he, he made all kinds of mistakes. He, he lied about just about everything, you know. And, uh, but God still used him for his purposes. If a relationship with God is only possible through the law, then faith is meaningless. So if we have to follow the law to be saved, we're in trouble. Because just at the beginning when I said who sinned, one sin is wiping everything out. One sin. You sin once and you break one law and it's as if you broke all the law. You know, I, I, I'm okay until I get down to sins like, oh, I lied, you know, and uh, I coveted. You know, I, I still, that's, isn't that the worst sin? Why, why did God have to, why can't we have nine commandments? And that, why did coveting have to be on there? Because coveting is like, everyone does it. We covet every day. And so it, it's the, the world forces us to covet by the commercials that come on TV, Right? Telling you what you can do, how you can be better, what you need to be happy, you know, and, and oh, I need that. Oh, my neighbor just got that new car. I have to get a better one, you know, and it's just part of our nature as humans. And so once you get the coveting, you know, all bets are off. We're, we're out of here. We're, we're in trouble now. But that's how come. It's not based on following the law. It's based on faith. It's based on who we believe in, not what we do. I, I want you to be sure I'm not saying that we don't work, that we don't have works in our lives. Faith without works is dead. 
James chapter 2. And so works are the result of faith. Because I have faith, I want to do better. I want to follow God's ordinances. He, he sums it up in two different commandments. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we consider those things, we wouldn't be breaking any laws. But even that, those two, uh, make it very, very hard. Because when I get up in the morning, after I groan for a little while, and I stumble to the mirror, and then say, who's that? Uh, then I realize that God is still working in my life, and he, he is going to spend some time with me in the morning. It's not that he's, he's going to spend time with me every moment of every day. I'm going to set some time aside to go spend some time with the Lord. I make it, a, so is that a work? No. It's a purpose of my heart to go spend some time with the Lord. I want to go sit down and hear from him through his word, through the devotionals, through just time in prayer. And I want to talk with him. And I know that he listens to me, whether I'm groaning or whether I am, you know, going and, and just sharing and pouring out my heart to him. I know that he hears me. And so that sounds like works because I've set this time aside. I make myself go and do this. But it, it's not. When we offer a sacrifice of praise, it's when we don't feel like it, but we do it anyway. When we're in church and we don't like the song, and we're like, I don't know that song. You know, why are you playing a song I don't know or I don't like? You know, it's not in the right key. You know, then sing it in your key. Whatever your key is, sing it in that key. Okay? Oh, and sing it off key. God isn't going to correct you. You're not going to get to heaven and he's going to say, what were you thinking? Well, you know, what, why did you think I wanted to hear you sing that, you know? Uh, no, we're, it's a delight to him that we're even trying. You know, he, he, he loves to hear our praises. It's a sacrifice sometimes. It's a sacrifice when we come into this church and we've had a bad morning. Well, we had a bad evening yesterday. We had just had a rough day. And we come into church dragging that baggage with us. You know, things aren't perfect, but I'm here. Okay, I've, I've got to go to church. It's Sunday, so I'm here. You know what? That's maybe a sacrifice, but you're here. You're here to spend time with the Lord. And... Doesn't it always feel better when you leave, regardless of how convicting the message is? Don't you feel like, well, the Lord spoke to me today. 
You know, it's not that I put together these flowery messages to make you feel like you're going to have your best life when you leave here, you know, and if you just donate a little more, I can buy my jet, and, uh, and then you're going to have your best life because I have a jet. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. It's spending time with the Lord and hearing from his word, and it penetrates our hearts, and that's the sacrifice that we make, it's faith. It's by faith that we do this, that we come together. And we continue to study the word of God because hearing the word of God builds our faith, right? Romans 10, 17. It builds our faith when we hear the word of God. And so that's why we come together to hear what he has to say. So transgression, we're told, happens when the law is broken. And when there is no law, there is no transgression. There was no law at the time of Abraham, but there was transgression, absolutely, in the fact that you can sin against God, right? Cain and Abel, there, there was no law then. Uh, so what was the problem? You know, brother kills his brother. They obviously knew that that was wrong. Then in verse 16, it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. See, Abraham is not only the father of the Jews. It says right here, he's the father of us all. Verse 16 and yes, God chose them as the chosen people, but he extended his grace to the whole world. And that's the grace that we live under today. Paul quotes Genesis 17, 5. He says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Notice, this is past tense. I've done it. I've made you... Hold on, he didn't even have children. Uh, well, his promised son, Isaac, he didn't have yet. Isaac wasn't born yet. Now, we know that Ishmael was born, but he wasn't the son of promise. But he was going to make Abraham the father of many nations. And in uh, chapter 17 in Genesis, we also see that Sarah was going to be the mother of many nations. Well, she wasn't the mother of Ishmael. So we're talking about the line of Isaac and the families that come from the line of Isaac. God gives life to those who are dead in their sins. And we have new life in him. All they have to do is accept the gift of grace that's by faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. 
this is the who is Abraham, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. It, it, it wouldn't be smart to hope. How many of you that are over 70 are hoping for a child, uh, you know, to have an, a child? Uh, not, not me. You're hoping that never happens, uh, you know, because uh, that would be crazy, right? And, and so even back then, it was good. They lived a lot longer back then, but it, it wouldn't be something that you would think about and hope for at 99 years old. Sarah was 89 years old. I'm sure Sarah wasn't thinking, oh, I can't wait to have a child. No, she wasn't thinking that at that time. But that's what they were told. They were promised by God. This is what's going to happen. Abraham believed God because his hope wasn't in what man told him. His hope was in what God told him. And so when we read the newspaper, newspaper, like there really are newspapers. Uh, when we read the news on the internet, when we watch it on TV, we can get confused as to what's really going on in the world because we're told one thing by the world, but we are told something else by the word of God. We're told what the world is going to look like by the word of God. We're told what the end of the world is going to look like by the word of God. And so if we're paying more attention to the word than the world, we'll actually see God's plan unfolding before our very eyes. Things that are taking place around us right now at this very time, we can see it and say, this is what's God has prophesied is going to happen. We're seeing it right now. And if we watch the news, the news will say, ah, nothing to see here. Everything's going great. Don't worry about the economy. Don't worry about gas prices. That's only going to help us in the future because we're going to stop climate change and we're going to have, you know, everyone's going to get along. The whole world is going to get along. But that's what the Bible says the world is going to say. The Bible says that's what they're going to start doing and talking about, you know, bringing the world under a global government. The Bible says that. And that's what we hear the world saying, that they're trying to do right now. Exciting, isn't it? Who do you think is right? Uh, you know, uh, I'm not fact-checking CNN or anything else. I'm not. I, I don't have to. I just look to where the truth is, and whenever I hear something contrary to truth, I already know what it is. I look and say, you know what? It doesn't matter which news source I'm getting the news from. If what they're saying contradicts what I know to be true, then I'm just going to stick with the truth. That's where my faith is. Where are we placing our faith? Are we placing our faith in religious systems that mankind has come up with? Things that we should believe in because, you know, uh, well, 
you know, evolution or reincarnation. If if you believe in reincarnation, I'm I'm very I feel very sorry for you. You know, because reincarnation, you don't know what you're coming back as. You know, it's I, I don't want to be part of that plan. You know, but that's a man-made thing. Uh, someone came up with that. They thought, okay, this is, you know, and, and the, the whole UFO craze that's going on. Someone came up with that. It's all man-made. Our faith is in what God tells us through his word. We study the word of God because it's the truth. And then we can prepare ourselves for what's coming next. We don't have to prepare by, you know, buying a bunch of food that's going to last three years in storage and make sure that you have your 2,000 calories a day. To make sure that you, you... That's not what I'm talking about preparing. What I'm talking about preparing is preparing our hearts to be in line with the Word of God. That's preparing. So no matter if we're here for a day or a hundred years, it doesn't matter. Uh, I know probably none of us will be here in a hundred years, but if we're going to be here for longer than a, a, you know, a year, two years, ten years, whatever the case may be, we still need to occupy until he comes. Our faith is in the fact that he's going to fulfill his word. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. We don't know the season. But we know what we're called to do. We're called to be examples for the world around us. We're called to live our lives that way. So here's the rest of the story. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider Abraham, his own body, already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. We're living in days like that where you know, regardless of what the world says is possible or impossible and what we should be, we, hey, we, we all have to wake up and be woke. I woke up. I woke up when I started reading the Word of God. And now I'm sure about what the future holds because of the Word of God. That's where my righteousness comes from. It's knowing and acting upon what I know to be true. My relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So when righteousness is added to your account, all the debts are automatically paid off. It doesn't matter if you have sinned and put only $2 of sin in your account in heaven or $2 trillion in sin in your account in heaven. When you receive Jesus Christ and receive his righteousness, 
all of it's paid off. And you don't get a better seat based on how much is paid off or how little is paid off. We're completely declared righteousness in Christ. And so that's the way we should be living. Remembering our righteousness comes from him and nothing that we have done. We close considering this great grace through faith that has been offered to us by God the Father. No matter how bad your sin is, it's paid. No matter how much it is, it's paid. But it requires faith. It's not just something that all I have to say is a certain sentence. And if I say these words, now I am admitted into the club. I know the secret password, the secret handshake. No, that's not what it's about. It's about giving our lives to Christ. One more thing, God works miracles. Even miracles that just appear, well, a miracle is something that happens that appears humanly impossible, right? Abraham, 99, Sarah, 89, they have a child. That's a miracle. I, that's not a miracle I'm praying for, but I know that anything I pray for in the will of God, he will fulfill. And sometimes it's miracles and sometimes it's just everyday things. We can give our prayer request to God and knowing that he is able to answer our prayer requests. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? But the all things are in line with what he wants us to do, his will. If the all things are in line with his will, then I can do them. If the all things include sin, that's not something that God is going to support, endorse, or, you know, justify when the time comes. And so as we look at these things, we know that God is still working miracles in our world today because we're here today. We are miracles in that we gave our lives to Christ. And if you are a believer, you have become a new creation in Christ. That's a miracle. It really, some of us, it's even more of a miracle than we can even imagine. Uh, for me, right? I mean, I know that this is something that couldn't have been of my own devising. But here I stand before you as a miracle in Jesus Christ. And when you look in the mirror, you're looking at a miracle. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. All you have to do is ask him and he will fill your hearts. He will change your life. Amen. Amen.